27th of February. Let's pray together on this feast of St. Gregory of Nauruk. Actually, a prayer to St. Joseph for Providence, because it's uh, his month coming up soon. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Joseph, with Jesus and Mary, you knew hunger, uncertainty, and illness. You turned your heart to God to lift up your needs and those of your family. In faith, you accepted the Father's response as events unfolded. Be with me today as I offer my requests to the Father. Joseph, let me recognize God's will as I open my hands to accept what God bestows in loving kindness. With tenderness, God fills creation with life and love. Open my eyes to the wonders that God works without ceasing. Let me learn the true intention behind my requests so that I may discover within myself the lowly one that God commends. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We have a video feed up and running. You can check that out. It's, uh, it's going on our Facebook page. It's going on our YouTube channel. But you can find it all, including links to all of today's guests and that prayer I just prayed, in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll talk to Father Boniface Hicks, a Benedictine monk, uh, in our ongoing series on personal prayer. Today we get to look at a quote from St. Irenaeus. Marlon de la Torre will discuss about repentance and the way of perfection and why the devil does not want you to do any of those things or anything related to those things. Also this hour, Catherine Fishlock will uh, look at another Lenten hymn. The one she'll unpack today is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. She actually uh, dug up a couple of different tunes to that. A lot of people are familiar with the one tune, but she's got another that you may not have heard before that she'll share. And we'll learn more about Doctor of the Church Gregory of Narek on this his feast day with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. So, a jam-packed hour in the books. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has expressed his grief over a terrorist attack on a Catholic Mass in Burkina Faso Sunday which left 15 people dead. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. The attack occurred in a Sakani village in the country's northeastern Udalan province, a jurisdiction of the Catholic Diocese of Dori, bordering Mali and Niger. According to a media release issued by the diocese, 12 worshippers died at the scene of the attack, while three succumbed to the injuries and two others are in hospital. In the brief statement, the Vicar General of the Diocese, Father Jean-Pierre Sawardo, invited the faithful to pray for those killed, for the healing of the wounded and for the consolation of the grieving families. He also appealed for prayers for the conversion of those who continue to wreak death and desolation in the country. The attack is the latest in a long string of atrocities committed by Islamist terrorist groups linked to the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda, which since 2015 have been expanding their action from Mali to the entire Sahel region, causing the displacement of millions of people. Apart from sometimes attacking Christian churches, the terrorists also kidnap foreign missionaries, priests and religious as a consequence, in Burkina Faso, a growing number of parishes have been abandoned for security reasons. 
According to the 2023 Global Terrorism Index, terrorism-related deaths in the Sahel represented 43% of the global total in 2022, up from 1% in 2007, with Burkina Faso and Mali accounting for 73% of terrorism deaths in the Sahel and 52% of all deaths from terrorism in sub-Saharan Africa. I am Lisa Zengarini. Vatican News reports there was also an attack on Muslim worshippers in their morning prayers on Sunday in Burkina Faso, killing dozens. A telegram from the Vatican Secretary of State said the Pope was grieving over the tragedies. It said the Holy Father was praying for the deceased, entrusting them to God's mercy and for the healing of the injured. The telegram said hatred is not the solution to conflicts and called for the fight against violence in order to promote the values of peace. President Biden says he's hopeful there will be a ceasefire in Gaza by next week. Speaking to reporters yesterday, he said that National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tells him that it's close, but, quote, not done yet. Sullivan said Sunday he was hopeful an agreement would take place in the next few days after representatives of Israel, the United States, Egypt and Qatar met in Paris recently. The 2024 presidential race heads to Michigan today. Mark Mayfield reports. This after Donald Trump easily defeated Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina Saturday, essentially locking up the Republican nomination for president. While Trump is expected to win Michigan, Haley has vowed to stay in the race, claiming that most Americans disapprove of both Trump and President Biden. Biden, meanwhile, does not have a major primary challenger in the Democratic contest, but faces some headwinds in Michigan as Arab-American activists in the state are rallying voters to cast an uncommitted ballot to protest Biden's handling of the Israeli-Hamas war. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Supreme Court appears to be divided after hearing arguments in cases involving how social media companies handle online content. The court is examining Republican-backed laws in Texas and Florida, which were put in place over claims that TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube and others dislike conservative speech. The laws were enacted in 2021 after the companies banned former President Trump from their platforms. A major storm front is moving across the United States. It's bringing snow to the Mountain West, the threat of fires to the plains, and potential thunderstorms to the Midwest. It's the first of two storm systems that will hit the country over the next week. Red flag warnings for potential dangerous fire weather are in place from the border in Texas to just near Chicago, impacting almost 20 million people. Thunderstorms may develop in the area from Chicago to Detroit today and south towards St. Louis and it may bring hail, wind and tornadoes to the region. And there's been a change atop the latest college basketball coaches poll. Houston is now in the top spot for the first time this season. UConn, Purdue, Tennessee and Marquette round out the remainder of the top five. You say my Tennessee Vols in the top five? Your Tennessee Vols in the top five as we near, as we near March the madness. madness. We near it. We I always near. get thrown off, I have to say, because March Madness doesn't start until, like, mid-March. It's true. And it the madness finally ends in April. But really, the most madness is those first two weekends. Yeah. Really, that first, that yeah. first full week when everybody plays two games... Mm-hmm. Right and uh, yeah, and that's it like, just whittles down like dramatically over the course of like yeah, you know, 
And I think that a weekend. I think that's like still a couple of weeks away. Yeah, I'm always thrown off by that. Well, we'll uh, it's probably we'll going to be like St. Patrick's Day weekend or something. Could be. I'm already busy that weekend. I'm I'm busy every weekend, Anna Mitchell. Well, okay. You have a, no idea. Actually, you do have point. some idea. It's a good. I point. blinked and suddenly, my entire schedule through like July filled up. I'm like, I didn't even pick any of these things that I'm doing. I know. It's isn't crazy. It amazing? It's amazing. It is crazy. But you know, when you got you got family, friends. Suddenly, the calendar just sort of fills right up. Yeah. Hopefully, well, with all good things. Father Boniface Hicks' calendar is, like, booked all day long. He's got, like, what, like seven commitments every single day at the same time, something like that, those monks and their prayers. Good morning, Father Boniface. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. <laughs> so, Father Boniface Hicks is the author of this book, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. And here at the end of the book, there's this fantastic appendix that's got some great quotes from the saints on prayer. And I just wanted to, to read this one today from St. Irenaeus and get some of your thoughts on it, because it's such a beautiful quote. Uh, St. Irenaeus, who is a doctor of the church, writes this. He says, Jesus Christ, in his infinite love, has become what we are in order that he may make us entirely what he is. Now, it's kind of hard to sum up the entirety of the uh, message of Christianity in a sentence, but this is pretty close. And it's a great way to summer up, summarize the entirety of Christianity and a way that I think most people wouldn't necessarily think that's what he was doing. <laughs> I don't know that we often think of Christianity in these terms, but it's so valuable, it's so important to do so, because it's not some kind of uh, legalistic get-out-of-jail-free card that were delivered by Christ to kind of uh, convinced God to do that by dying on the cross. Um, but it rather, it, it really is uh, God's total outpouring of love. And His love is not just sort of pitying us in our lowly state and looking down on us and feeling bad for us, but it, it really is a desire for us to be with Him and in a, a, a relationship of a, a kind of equality to make us like Him that we might be with Him forever. And that process of divinization, transforming us into himself, filling us with himself, is, uh, is really what the Christian life is, what we're working out. It's, I think, uh, well, I don't know, especially in the Roman Church, we tend to have a little bit of a heaviness around purification and uh, removing all of our vices, and we have sort of the, the feeling that we're scraping off a lot of stuff and removing a lot of things. But it really is a transformation into something else, into something beautiful, into something divine, into someone that we're, that's getting worked out through our living the Christian life. When, when Jesus tells us to love one another as he loves us, uh, when he invites us into the love relationship that he has with the Father, that really is a transformation of who we are from the very, to, the, to the very depths of our soul. So, um, so we should be fascinated with the beauty of Jesus Christ, and we should gaze upon Him and be amazed at the way that He loves, that He lives, that what He has demonstrated for us, the way that He receives love from the Father and returns love to the Father. And then as we are fascinated with it, we are also drawn into it. We're meant to be a part of it, meant to be like Him. Yeah, it really is uh, the summary of Christianity in the, in the best, the absolute best form. 
Well, you mentioned in the Western Church, we don't talk about it this way all the time. In the Eastern Church, they definitely talk about it this way all the time, right? Theosis and uh, divinization. And it's a very strong theme in the early church uh, during the time that St. Irenaeus and and others are writing. Uh, I find it funny that um, sometimes my evangelical friends will will discover this and be like, did you know that that the early church taught this stuff? I'm like, yeah, I knew this. I didn't know it all my life, but I discovered it. It's a pretty cool idea. I, I think in the West, we get these kinds of things confused for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them um, is that, uh, you know, Calvinism didn't happen in the Eastern Church, right? Calvinism came from a misunderstanding of, that went on in the Western Church. And Calvinism has that, you know, first point in its tulip doctrine, right? Total depravity. You and I are horrible terrible people, right? And the only thing that's going to happen at the end is that God's going to put some sort of like a blanket of Christ's righteousness over top of us so he doesn't have to look at the real us for all eternity. That is not what Christianity is, nor is it, as you just indicated, the idea that uh, the, the purpose of the Christian life is to stop sinning so you don't go to hell, right? The bar is a little higher than that. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, he's he's making us into into something else. It's uh, yeah, not just uh, removing things, but actually uh, becoming something better, growing into something more. And and it's uh, kind of these, you know, we have these uh, attitudes in the in the Western Church of do I what do I have to do? Mm-hmm. What's the least that I can do? What do I really have to fast on uh, Friday? Do I really have to abstain from me? Can I get out of it sometimes, rather than looking at, like, how can I, I want to be like Christ, and he fasted for 40 days, like, how do I get there? <laughs> Instead of aiming for something great, we're often just trying to, like, meet some minimum standard. And uh, and that is a bit of a difference, you know, the, the Eastern vision towards things like asceticism is setting a high standard that people are not going to reach, uh, but is something to strive for, something to keep growing into, and setting those high standards, not just around uh, ascetical practices, but ultimately the high standard around love, to really love as Christ loves, to have that kind of generosity, availability, readiness to sacrifice, uh, openness to the other, um, you know, to, to have crucified love. That's, uh, we should be fascinated by that and drawn into that as Christ is trying to transform us into that. I'm trying to remember the prayer uh, that you pray as a priest, uh, where you talk about the by the mingling of the water and the wine. May we yeah, by the sh- mystery of this water and wine, is. may we be- yeah. come to share in the divinity of Christ, who has humbled himself to share in our humanity. Boom! There. I mean, this is that's Irenaeus's thought, right? I mean, that's this is this is what Irenaeus is saying. He's he's basically. Uh, making that same call to prayer when he says, Jesus Christ in his infinite love has become what we are in order that he may make us entirely what he is. Yeah, one of the many great quotes that shows up in the back of your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. Father Boniface Hicks, we've got your book linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Thanks so much. Rich stuff here on a Tuesday morning. We've got... Headlines with Anna Mitchell coming up after the break. It's a quarter past.
Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. If you're switching from coffee to tea for Lent, the Mystic Monks have got you covered with a dozen options from your usual Darjeeling and Earl Grey to more exotic flavors like lemongrass mint and blossoming jasmine. Whether you're buying tea or coffee, you can support the Sunrise Morning Show by earning us a commission on your purchase when you click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, browse the Sunrise Morning Show mugs and etched travel mugs in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee and tea at sonrisemorningshow.com. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1980. Mother Angelica, who is hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, orders a satellite dish and transmission equipment. A wealthy benefactor gives her the $250,000 letter of credit she needs to apply for an FCC license to broadcast. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has expressed his grief over a terrorist attack on a Catholic mass in Burkina Faso on Sunday that left 15 people dead. President Biden says he is hopeful there will be a ceasefire in the Holy Land next week. And the Supreme Court appears to be divided after hearing arguments in cases involving social media. News at the top of top and bottom of each hour here every day on the Sunrise Morning Show. Every weekday morning that is. Uh, you know Anna Mitchell, um, I want to put a shout out to anybody who uh, is involved in the world of sacred art Okay. Uh, this morning. Yeah. And uh, you and I know several. Mm-hmm. Um, not just those who are uh, in the musical arts, such as Catherine Fishlock. Uh, Indeed. Who we'll speak to later. But then the visual arts and sculpting mm-hmm. In stained glass and architecture and all these things, I, I think it's important to to shout out and highlight their work because I feel like more and more I'm seeing on feast days and celebrations people throwing these like uh, prompts into image AI generators and oh. out pops out pops a picture of the Virgin Mary or out pops some kind of you know, sort of triumphant Christ the King or some something of a saint. And people are like, check out this cool image. Sacred AI. Sacred AI art. Well, actually, there is no such thing. And this is the point that I was going to yeah. hopefully make. So the image may be of a sacred reality. Mm-hmm. But if it is not made by a sacred artist, I don't think you can technically call it sacred art. Partly because when a 
person who is creating sacred art is making something over the course of days, perhaps weeks or months, they are praying themselves through this process. They are meditating on the mystery they are trying to reflect. They are, uh, I mean, when you look at this, the stained glass in your church or a mosaic, as I did at the National Shrine, uh, there is a person who is putting their heart and soul and prayer into that process. Someone just types something in and 20 seconds later out pops an epic vision of the Virgin Mary. It ain't the same. Well, I was going to go even on a more natural level than that in that, I mean, it's possible that somebody paints something sacred and isn't praying through it. That's very possible. But it is done through the work of human hands, which as we know, is a participation in God, whether they know it or not, because they are creating something. Yep. So beauty is participation in the work of God. I'm not sure that typing. You can say it's a cool is, picture, but if I you don't know. It in I ten seconds, I don't think you can call it sacred art. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Dr. Joseph Salot will present the latest news from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Anthony DiStefano will present his new book, The First Easter Bunny. I'll explain the connection of Jesus to Passover and Jerusalem, with frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoding Realtors. The current real estate market is challenging, but the professionals at Hoding Realtors are equipped with the market knowledge and tools needed to make home buying and selling easier. 513-451-4800 and at Hoding.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hard-working professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. It is Tuesday, the 27th of February, the Feast of St. Gregory of Narek, Doctor of the Church. And at the end of the hour, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, who is kind of our Doctors of the Church guy, will tell you more about him. We're joined now by Marlon De La Torre from knowingisdoing.org. He joins us from the Diocese of Columbus. Today we're going to talk about repentance and the way of perfection. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. All right, so I know that uh, we've probably heard the words repentance uh, sure. and you know penitence and self-sacrifice. I mean, we're not yeah. that long into Lent, but people probably Correct. 
probably worn out on those words. But let's talk about it from a little bit of a different angle. Uh, mm-hmm. Why does the devil not want us to be thinking about these words? I think the, the the practical side of it is if he could convince us that we're more important than God or that we have more value, uh, inherently speaking, than, than what God has given to us, then why have repentance? Why need uh, why have a need to go to confession? Why have a need to basically spiritually disperse yourself to God in a way where you ask for his mercy? So there's no sense of uh, asking for mercy if, if your focus is you. And if your focus is that, you know what, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I really do not require any type of forgiveness or healing. Uh, my own humanism is perfectly at peace with my will and my intellect. All right, so that, that's exactly what the devil would prescribe for us. So the further away we can walk from from our Lord, the enemy, obviously, in the, in the mind of the devil, uh, the better off we're going to be in his mind. So he prefers that we not go that route. And if we try to, he tries to at least uh, propose a very frustrating way of getting there. And so frustration, anxiety, despair are key weapons that he uses to convince us that, you know what, it's too hard, or, or, or who says that you're wrong, who says that you actually need any form of repentance. So uh, he, he, he prefers that as much as possible to really uh, put us into this uh, uh, false sense of reality in our, in our own human dignity and our own human person. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to refer people uh, to another book that you've written, uh, Screwtape yeah. Teaches the Faith, in which yeah. you basically look at the devil's tactics uh, as yep. articulated in C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters and think, okay, so what's the lesson we should be learning here? Uh, and the one of the ones, uh, this is from um, uh, about the middle of the book, uh, where yeah. the... Uh, the senior demon is telling the lesser demon, giving him advice about how to lead people astray. And he says, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't matter how small the sins are, provided that the cumulative effect of them is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. And then he says this, he says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual mm-hmm. one, the gentle yes. slope, soft underfoot, without sudden mm-hmm. turnings, without mm-hmm. milestones, without mm-hmm. signposts. I think it's easy for us to identify the big ticket sins Mm-hmm. that are right in front of our face, but the subtle, the slow, the, the things that like erode our charity, that elevate our pride, those things, mm-hmm. man, the devil does not want us thinking about those things. No, because those are the habits that we've developed over time. And those are those spiritual habits, whether good or evil, that uh, take on an identity of, of its own in, in, in our very intellect and will. And we don't recognize those. Those are the ones that really are the... Uh, are at the forefront and really the mechanism behind why we do certain things. And the the, the point of, of, of the devil and his legion is to basically say, look, you've been doing this already. Why, why change? Uh, who says that there's there's something wrong with you uh, that requires you to change? It's it's it's, it's there. It's it, Look, use it. You've been living well. Nothing's happened to you. Uh, just continue to do what you're doing in, in a practical sense. And so the, the language that the devil uses, especially when it comes to repentance, is one really of there's no need the necessity is not there uh nothing's happened to you and, and that's the, the the false sense of reality that we receive when he doesn't want us to understand what being a repentant or a penitent sinner means and the fact that we place ourselves before the throne of god well no uh you have your throne be fine yeah well I, you know as i'm looking for the cat through the catechism there's all kinds of great ways that the church on sure. these commandments uh that uh that are pretty big Right, and uh, so you look at uh, you know the the commandment that says 
to, uh, you know, not kill. That's pretty uh, straightforward, mm-hmm. right? Don't yeah. commit intentional homicide, the Bible says. Of course, we know about abortion and euthanasia. Uh, but when it comes to this idea of giving scandal, like how does scandal fall under that? Well, maybe I'm doing some stuff uh, and living my life in a way that makes people think, why would I ever want to be a Catholic when they look at me, right? Am I killing that person's relationship with Christ by the way that I act in public as a Catholic or by the attitude that I convey or killing Mm -hmm. someone's reputation through gossip or calumny Mm -hmm. or false witness Mm -hmm. or uh, boasting or or anything, bullying. I mean, those layers down below, those are the Mm -hmm. ones where we can fall into real problems and real problems that take a lot longer for us to analyze and correct. Correct. I mean, in the common denominator, when when you look at any any element of the commandment um, from one to four or from five to ten, really, it's it's whether you have a contempt for yourself and you have this place for God in your life. And so, when, when you love neighbor and you love yourself as your neighbor, you love God above all things, and you express that love of God towards your neighbor. Right? Then, what you realize is, I have to surrender myself. Uh, I should not be falling into this fray of these acts against the will of God, against the love of my neighbor, whether I want to choose uh, sexual morality or kill or put someone in a bad light uh, in public. Uh, these things really draw us to a, a reality that, look, it's not, this, is, this should not be me. I should love him. I sh- even though I may not like him, I'm called to serve that person in need. I'm called to serve our Lord. So when you look at repentance and the way of perfection, it really sets the stage for us to want to serve our God, to want to serve those who, who are in greater need than us. And so, and it's an expectation where we serve somebody with nothing expecting in return. And that's a hard thing for any human being because we are so craving to be served and to be satisfied. And that craving may not be holy. And so with that, you look at this whole process, this progression from repentance to perfection, uh, there is a path. And the path is to seek Christ, to seek His will through the commandments, the Beatitudes. And confession does a great thing. It 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 eliminates... The sacraments are there to to really be avenues for us to actually... Put this in practice. We've got you linked. Knowingisdoing.org at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon De La Torre, thank you as always. Have a great day. Appreciate it, Matt. Go Bucks. Half past. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has expressed his grief over a terrorist attack on a Catholic mass in Burkina Faso on Sunday that left 15 people dead. Vatican News reports there was also an attack Sunday on Muslim worshipers in their morning prayers, killing dozens of people. A telegram from Vatican, the Vatican Secretary of State said the Pope was grieving over the tragedies. It said he was praying for the deceased and entrusting them to God's mercy and for the healing of the injured. It said hatred is not the solution to conflicts and called for the fight against violence in order to promote the values of peace. President Biden says a ceasefire in Gaza could happen before next week. More from Mark Mayfield. Speaking to reporters Monday, he said that National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tells him that it is close, but not done yet. He added his hope is by next Monday there will be a ceasefire. Sullivan said on Sunday he was hopeful an agreement would take place in the next few days after representatives of Israel, the United States, Egypt and Qatar met in Paris recently. I'm Mark Mayfield.
The 2024 Michigan presidential primary is taking place today. This coming after Donald Trump defeated Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina on Saturday. While Trump is expected to win Michigan today, Haley has vowed to stay in the race. President Biden, meanwhile, does not have a major primary challenger in the Democratic contest, but faces some headwinds in Michigan as Arab-American activists in the state are rallying voters to case an uncommitted, to cast an uncommitted ballot to protest Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. The Supreme Court appears divided after hearing arguments in cases involving how social media companies handle online content. The court is examining Republican law, Republican-backed laws in Texas and Florida. As the church continues in this year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee year, the Dicastery for Communications has launched a new site as a Jubilee guide to the papal basilicas in Rome. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. From tourist to pilgrim seeks to introduce the basilicas of St. Peter, St. John Lateran, St. Paul outside the walls, and St. Mary Major to younger audiences through content geared to their tastes. According to a press release, the website leans heavily on the medium of voice to convey the beauty and history of these sacred spaces and the artistic masterpieces that fill them. Professionals engaged in art curation and excavation and restoration projects, along with the religious men and women who minister to pilgrims every day, tell the stories of the papal basilicas in their own words. Through the warmth and enthusiasm of their voices, reads the communique, they act as witnesses and share their love for everything the four papal basilicas represent. The mini-side draws on the symbol of the table, populated by the saints and artists whose lives and art have shaped the basilicas. The table offers a space where not only food, but glances, stories, and experiences are shared, thus inviting the visitor to pause for a moment and dedicate some time to a brief moment of reflection. The initiative from tourist to pilgrim also takes the form of a podcast that accompanies pilgrims along their journey, whether in person or online, through the history of the basilicas, offering special insights into their most significant aspects. The podcast series launches on February 27th with a new episode released each Tuesday. What may only seem like a city square to a tourist becomes a step, a journey, a divine symbol if viewed through the eyes of a pilgrim, reads the communique. These brief visits are designed to highlight the hidden beauty of Rome, revealed through the lens of pilgrimage. I'm Devin Watkins. Here in the United States, organizers of the National Eucharistic Revival have announced the schedule of stops for the four walking pilgrimage routes from the north, east, south, and west that will all end in Indianapolis for the National Eucharistic Congress in July. The Catholic News Agency reports the pilgrims, along with the Eucharist, will together cover 6,500 miles across 27 states and 65 dioceses. They're calling it our National Emmaus Moment. Details available at eucharisticpilgrimage.org. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. This year, celebrate St. Patrick's Day with the 76th Annual Friends of Ireland Mass at St. Peter and Chains Cathedral in Cincinnati, sung by the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick Glee Club. For more information, visit sacredheartradio.com slash events. Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. 
Stay warm and comfortable during the coldest of weather with Schneller and Ackelman for your heating repair, replacement, and maintenance. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Hi, this is Patrick Cagney with Coldwell Banker and the Cagney family. We support Sacred Heart Radio. If you're just getting started with your search, looking to upgrade or downsize, we can help. 513-319-7312. The Cagney family can help in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Florida. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Gregory of Narek, Tuesday, February the 27th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be stormy, but still warm for now. Right now, temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, scattered storms and mostly cloudy for the majority of the day. A high today of 69 degrees. Storms likely tonight could be severe with an overnight low of 56. Early storms ending tomorrow, then it'll be mostly cloudy with sharply falling temperatures. By 4 o'clock tomorrow, we'll be in the mid-30s. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, scattered showers and storms today and high around 67. Storms tonight with an overnight low of 58. Morning showers and storms tomorrow and falling temperatures to the lower 40s. This is Sacred Heart Radio. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is our Sunrise Morning Show music teacher, Catherine Fishlock, professional singer, musician, teacher. Good morning. It is good to see you. And uh, we're getting another Lenten hymn recommendation for choirs. And today, when I survey the wondrous cross, why do you recommend this one? Well, it's beautiful. First off, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's um. It's very singable, I think. That's uh, always helpful. A lot of congregations already know this hymn. Yeah. Um, it's very much, um, well, it's, it's, uh, if you, it's often used on Holy Thursday when I survey the Wondrous Cross. Oh, okay. Um, but not necessarily. You can use it any time during Lent. Yeah. Um, and it, it has a text that is very much um, personal. Mm. You know, about I think it speaks to our own um, need for conversion, our individual need for conversion, and our need as, as uh, you know, also just as humanity. Um, it kind of brings it home. For me, anyway, I feel that way about this, this hymn. Yeah, tell us about the author of this text. Yeah, so this, uh, the, the text author is Isaac Watts, who was a very prolific hymn writer, theologian in the, um, the late 16, early 1700s. Oh, okay. And he also wrote the text to uh, Joy to the World. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So wow. he, wrote, he wrote many, many, many hymn texts, and uh, so you'll notice. Um, you know, if you're if you look in your it's hymnal, yeah, yeah, and you look at you know look at the hymn and down at the bottom, you know, you'll always find the the composer, usually of the music, or and and the and who wrote the text. Hmm. So cool! Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. Well. We can do joy to the world later. That's not a Lent. <laughs> That's right. Not, that not a Lenten this season. <laughs> not for this season. Now, um, I understand there are actually a, a couple of melodies by which people might hear this hymn. Yeah. So this is a this is a thing in the world of hymnody that um, there's a body of tunes 
that can mm. be set to that different texts could plug into. Right? Oh, sure. And that has to do with base, basically the uh, the syllabic rhythm mm-hmm. um, of the text. So you could have a poem that might fit one tune just as well as it fits another. So this is what is happening when you say, oh, I know those words, but I, I know a different melody. That's okay. why that occurs, right? Do you, which is your favorite melody? So, which composer? Well, of, well, of this, this particular one, um, I'm fond of the Rockingham melody. Rockingham. And oftentimes okay. the tunes are not necessarily the person. Mm-hmm. They're sometimes the place. Oh, they sure. came from, or they might be attached to an original text that oh, they were yeah. named for. For instance, if it's if it comes from a uh, from a maybe a Bach chorale, it mm-hmm. might be attached to the name, the original text that came sure. from that chorale. So, it's, oh, that um, makes sense. Yeah, so it's a whole other you know that that's a world peculiar to hymnody. <laughs> Well, it's nice to get just a little glimpse into it, you know, dip our toes into that, <laughs> into that world. So you're going to sing the full version in Rockingham, right? right. But mm-hmm. then, um, then you'll come back around to the first verse for what is the other version? The other one is Hamburg. Hamburg. Yeah. Cool. All Take right. it and away. And I, I bet people will recognize them both. Nice. All right. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Love those lyrics. So beautiful. So beautiful. So do you need to like get a different pitch or anything to to the the other version? Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Go for it. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss. And poor contempt on all my pride. 
When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, as sung by Sunrise Morning Show music teacher Catherine Fishlock. If you would like to have her do some training with your choir, get in touch with us through our contact page. We'll get you in touch with Catherine. Catherine, thank you so much. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, Matt, are you there by any chance? I'm there. I just... I'm, all, I'm not you, all there, like, some people say. Are you, like, capable of... I was just thinking about this. Like, I can't just switch my brain to, like, change the tune with the same words of a song that quickly. It's like Have when you somebody ever done starts that? out away in a manger the other way. Oh, no. I was going to... Well, like, yes. Oh. But I was going to say, okay, Matt, give me the... Just kind of hum it or whatever, the Star Wars theme. Which one? Oh, so the main theme, not the Imperial March? Yeah. I mean... Do it. That's actually a different... That's like the secondary theme. (laughs) Okay, now switch to Indiana Jones. Actually, you know what the one that I used to... Okay, that is... Okay, now switch to Superman. Okay, uh... This is not working how you thought it was going to go. I am really impressed. This is not how you thought this was going to go. Well, no, I I didn't know how it was going to go. I just wanted to see if you could do it. Star Trek, go. I have no idea what Star Trek's... Really? I didn't know what... You got nothing. I got nothing. Anna Mitchell. I'm incapable. This was the point. I was. I'm, do- I'm just doing all these things for Travis because Travis is, Travis is getting to these tunes in his brain before I am. I'm sure. No doubt. But so is Will if he's listening right now. Uh, Will is Will is already. Will's really you're, good at this. Your husband can pick a tune out of anything. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You can play a song like overhead in a grocery store, and he could like pick up a mandolin and like figure it out in like ten seconds. It's true. It's I've totally him, true. I've made him do it before. It's totally true. Well, I need you to play this right now. Some people okay. got the gift. Yeah. Some people got the gift. Anyway. Well. We got to talk about Gregory of Narek coming up next. Dr. Matthew Bunsen will join us. It's a quarter till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For more than 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Combonius and Inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. Each weekday, we'll dive into the timeless teachings of our Catholic faith, drawing upon the wisdom of the ages to navigate the challenges of today. Together, we'll seek truth, find inspiration, and forge a deeper connection with God. I'm Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and I invite you to join me for Beacon of Truth, today at 4 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has expressed his grief over a terrorist attack on a Catholic mass in Burkina Faso on Sunday that left 15 people dead. President Biden says a ceasefire in Gaza could happen before next week. And organizers of the National Eucharistic Revival have announced the schedule of stops for the four walking pilgrimage routes ahead of the Eucharistic Congress in July. Next newscast coming up in about 14-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Dr. Matthew Bunsen back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's vice president and editorial director of EWTN News, creator of the Doctors of the Church series on EWTN. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And we're talking about St. Gregory of Narek today, one of the more recently declared doctors of the church. And I think we need to address this before we get to talking about him and his life and in theology, it's uh, rather interesting that the Catholic Church would recognize him as a doctor of the church because, well, he wasn't technically Catholic. Um, one would think that would be the first box that you would need to check when declaring a doctor of the church, <laughs> Dr. Bunsen. So can you parse this out for us? Well, this is a, you, you uh, hit on something very important, but uh, something that uh, is a, a recognition, certainly, in the Pope, Pope and the part of Pope Francis. But we can all go all the way back to Pope uh, John Paul II. Sure. Uh, yes, the Armenian Apostolic Church uh, split from the Catholic Church, so to speak, from the Latin Church uh, many, many centuries ago as a result of the Council of Chalcedon. There were, however, of course, many Armenians who formed what became the Armenian Catholic Church uh, in the 18th century. And that's uh, significant because the argument has always been what exactly were the terms of the departure. In other words, uh, what were they dissenting from in terms of Chalcedon? We get into the whole monophysite uh, controversy within the Church. There is one thing that is undisputable, however, uh, is that Gregory of Narek certainly as far as John Paul II was concerned, and, and above all what Pope Francis is concerned, was himself a saint, a profound theologian, and somebody whose writings they wanted to bring to the Church. For example, John Paul II referred to him as one of Our Lady's principal poets. He called him a great doctor of the Armenian Church. Wow. And then there's a the question, too, when exactly he was added to the Roman martyrology. You can go all the way back to 2001. So we've seen this pattern developing of papal recognition of Gregory, that he has something to teach us, that uh, the Church can benefit from this. And 
on the 100th anniversary of uh, the Armenian genocide, uh, Pope Francis made it official that uh, he is certainly a doctor of the Church, and we can find him now uh, on the liturgical calendar. And this was a man who held and taught the apostolic faith. That's exactly right. Uh, and anyone who questions that, all you have to do is follow his writings. Now, there's that one great book that I know you and I want to talk about yes. this morning. But the, he left behind, as doctors of the Church do, more than one book. And in this case, uh, he left a vast body of writings uh, that, unfortunately, have also been overshadowed by that one great book. But we were talking about beautiful hymns. We're talking about uh, odes to the Blessed Mother. Uh, we're talking about reflections on the cross. We're talking about these beautiful prayers, what are called panegyrics. Uh, we're talking about commentaries on the Book of Job. So this was a remarkable theologian who spent almost his entire life in one place, in a monastery, and right on Lake Van in Armenia, and yet here was a voice that uh, the whole church can benefit from listening to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a man of letters, as uh, we might yes. uh, call him today. <laughs> many letters. Yes, many, many, many <laughs> letters. Um, so let's let's back up now. Um, now that we have, you know, sort of the, I, I don't know if you can really call it controversy, but controversy aside, um, and, and look at his life and how he ended up in that monastery where he would spend all of his days. Well, to talk about the Armenians uh, is to talk about uh, beautiful people who have suffered so immensely. This was also, yes. we have to note right from the beginning, because it's important to the life of Gregory of Narek, the first Christian kingdom. In other words, this is the first nation to embrace Christianity with everything that that implies. So he lived within a tradition uh, in, the, we know that he was born probably in the middle of the 10th century, so about 950. Armenia was already centuries old in the faith, and the culture he was born into was a profound Armenian Christian civilization. And he lived in a time of peace, sort of sandwiched between eras of great violence, uh, brutality, and conquest. That's important, too, because that gave him this opportunity uh, to thrive within this great level of culture. And he came, too, from a family of theologians, of bishops, and of priests. Uh, his father, in fact, was at one point what would be the equivalent of a bishop. Uh, and he was appointed a bishop at, when he became a widower. And Gregory himself was raised by uh, a, a remarkable uncle, and that's how he was brought into the monastic life, and he thrived. He reminds me very much of another doctor of the Church, and that's Venerable Bede, oh, uh, who sure. lived on his entire life in a monastery, thrived in it, but also seemed not to be hidden away or blind to what was going on, Gregory was so much aware of what was going on around the world. He knew everything that was happening around him. And I think that was one of the secrets to his genius, uh, precisely because of the awareness that he had of the outside world, but he saw the drama play out in all of those lives of the way that sin impacts us and the need for all of us to have God's love and mercy. So... 
Tell us about the Book so. of Lamentations. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he's best known for the Book of Lamentations. Now, it's uh, often generally called simply the Book of Prayer for the Armenians, uh, but the, the term lamentation became attached to it because of it's basically 95 lamentations. And it's built in many ways uh, around uh, the Armenian literature, uh, liturgy. And what I mean by that is that uh, it follows the Eucharistic liturgy, and it, it therefore anchors it even more profoundly. And what he's doing, basically, is looking at his version of the Psalms. It is a cry out to God. Mm. And... To say that this is uh, an important book for the Armenians, uh, not only was it probably the greatest book uh, of Armenian Christianity, it is also considered one of the greatest literary works in the history of Armenia. Wow. That's an incredible statement. So, I don't know, you can pick which question you want to answer, Dr. Bunsen. Um, <laughs> if there's something else written by St. Gregory of Narek that you would recommend, or... What does Gregory have to say to us today? I think uh, we can actually look at both. Uh, uh, I would always go back to his commentary on the Song of Songs mm. of love. What he's telling us is to turn ourselves to God, throw ourselves upon God's mercy because it is there, but remember to lament our sins, but to trust in God's mercy and love. A great Lenten message today from St. Gregory of Narek. We've been talking about him with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Doc, thank you so much. Great to be with you. Likewise. All right, we got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. Family is important. To welcome many new members into Sacred Heart Radio's family, we need your help to answer phones during our Lenten membership drive, March 13th, 14th, and 15th. If you can take calls anytime between 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. those days, then please call us at 513-731-7740 or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. If you can answer phones for our membership drive on March 13th, 14th, and 15th, then please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway in Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. 
You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. This is Father Benedict Kroll, the Director of Mission Advancement for the Angelicum in Rome. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. Hey, a way to start your day. It is Tuesday, the 27th of February, the Feast of St. Gregory of Narek, Doctor of the Church. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make us wise, O Lord. You did not think equality with God something to be clung to. Release us from the desire for power and prestige. You emptied yourself, taking on the nature of a slave. Free us from all disdain for works of service, we pray. You became obedient even unto death, death on the cross. Deliver us from the lure of self-sufficiency, we pray. O Christ, you wash the feet of your disciples, though you are both Lord and Master. Strip us of the garments of pride, and free us to do for one another the tasks of love, as you have done them for us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, who live and reign with the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. St. Gregory of Narek, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Got a video feed up and running. Check it out on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Mike Aquilina is going to talk about the history of the early church in France. Father Frank Donio joins us for some more of the spirituality of St. Vincent Pilati during this season of Lent. Steve Ray will discuss martyrs in the Bible, and Chris McGregor will talk about Gregory of Narek and uh, how he is featured in the Office of Readings. So, lots to get to. Stay with us if you can. Two minutes past, news of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com, as well as Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has expressed his grief over a terrorist attack on a Catholic mass in Burkina Faso Sunday that left 15 people dead. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The attack occurred in a Sakane village in the country's northeastern Udalan province, a jurisdiction of the Catholic Diocese of Dori, bordering Mali and Niger. According to a media release issued by the diocese, 12 worshippers died at the scene of the attack, while three succumbed to the injuries and two others are in hospital. 
In the brief statement, the Vicar General of the Diocese, Father Jean-Pierre Sawardo, invited the faithful to pray for those killed, for the healing of the wounded and for the consolation of the grieving families. He also appealed for prayers for the conversion of those who continue to wreak death and desolation in the country. The attack is the latest in a long string of atrocities committed by Islamist terrorist groups linked to the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda, which since 2015 have been expanding their action from Mali to the entire Sahel region, causing the displacement of millions of people. Apart from sometimes attacking Christian churches, the terrorists also kidnap foreign missionaries, priests and religious as a consequence, in Burkina Faso, a growing number of parishes have been abandoned for security reasons. According to the 2023 Global Terrorism Index, terrorism-related deaths in the Sahel represented 43% of the global total in 2022, up from 1% in 2007, with Burkina Faso and Mali accounting for 73% of terrorism deaths in the Sahel and 52% of all deaths from terrorism in sub-Saharan Africa. I am Lisa Zengarini. Vatican News reports there was also an attack on Muslim worshippers in their morning prayers on Sunday, killing dozens of people. A telegram from the Vatican Secretary of State said the Pope was grieving over these tragedies in Burkina Faso. It said the Holy Father was praying for the deceased and trusting them to God's mercy and for the healing of the injured. It said hatred is not the solution for conflicts and called for the fight against violence in order to promote the values of peace. President Biden has said he is hopeful there will be a ceasefire in Gaza by next week. Speaking to reporters yesterday, he said the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, tells him that it is close, but, quote, not done yet. Sullivan, for his part, said Sunday he was hopeful that an agreement would take place in the next few days after representatives have met from after representatives of Israel, the United States, Egypt, and Qatar met in Paris recently. The 2024 presidential race heads to Michigan today. Mark Mayfield reports. This after Donald Trump easily defeated Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina Saturday, essentially locking up the Republican nomination for president. While Trump is expected to win Michigan, Haley has vowed to stay in the race, claiming that most Americans disapprove of both Trump and President Biden. Biden, meanwhile, does not have a major primary challenger in the Democratic contest, but faces some headwinds in Michigan as Arab-American activists in the state are rallying voters to cast an uncommitted ballot to protest Biden's handling of the Israeli-Hamas war. I'm Mark Mayfield. A major storm front is moving across the United States. It's bringing snow to the Mountain West, the threat of fire to the plains, and potential thunderstorms to the Midwest. It's the first of two storm systems that will hit the country over the next week. Red flag warnings for potential dangerous fire weather are in place from the border in Texas to just near Chicago, impacting almost 20 million people. Thunderstorms may develop in the area from Chicago to Detroit today and south toward St. Louis. And the Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday over whether states have the right to provide dictates to social media companies. The companies say the laws limiting how they operate violate their First Amendment right to free speech, comparing themselves to newspapers who can't be told which information to publish. But supporters of the new laws compared the companies to telephone operators 
since they are transmitting content created by others, not themselves. Interesting. I know, right? I find that fascinating. And apparently the court sounded to court watchers divided on this. So it will be interesting to see. I'm guessing in June this this ruling will come out. It kind of reminds me, like, what was that uh, argument, you know, ages ago about whether a tomato was a fruit or a vegetable? And scientifically, it was a fruit. But in terms of, like, how it was going to be taxed and organized, since people, like, treated it like a vegetable, it should be, like, for legal purposes, a vegetable. Mm -hmm. I feel like we invoked that when we were talking about people redefining marriage. Wow. I don't know. I... Wow. This is where this is Ken Craycraft wow, territory. Wow, wow, wow. It's not what it is, it's how you treat it that defines it. Like, yeah, that's a problem. It's called nominalism. It goes back to William of Ockham, at yeah. least. And really taken to a new level by Martin Luther. Yes. Yep. And here wow. we are. And here we are. And here we are. It is seven minutes past the hour. From fathersofthechurch.com, it's always great to catch up with Mike Aquilina, who's the author of a number of books about the fathers of the church. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. So you did a podcast a while back for Catholic Culture and the Way of the Fathers on some French history regarding Christianity. Now, we talk about the early church all the time in the Mediterranean basin and, you know, usually towards the Middle East, but we don't talk much about France, do we? Well, we really should, because there was such a vital uh, Christianity uh, that was that was alive there from from very early in in in, uh, in the church's history, uh, and there were several important centers of uh, of Christianity in what what in, in the land known today as France. Um, uh, but we don't often hear about them because we're not talking about Greece. We're not talking about Rome here. Uh, but but Lyon, what the, the 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 city known today as Lyon was was a major city in the Roman Empire, uh, even even that early, and uh, and it was the site of some important and very well documented events. Yes, it was, and important people uh, as well. And yes. I didn't know that it was in France. When I first started, you know, like many people who pick up their Catholicism purely through books, and I read about this guy named uh, Irenaeus of Lyons, and then somebody corrected me. I'm like, oh, wait, that's in France? Oh, <laughs> you know, because I just hadn't put two and two together. I just thought it was from some random ancient city. But what was going on in Lyon that would attract people like Irenaeus to have a kind of platform there? Well, the name of the city back then was Lugdunum, and it was the it was the major city in Gaul, which was a province of the Roman Empire. Uh, it was about um, two hundred miles inland, uh, but the the river was navigable from the Mediterranean all the way up to Lugdunum, and so Lugdunum became the place where if you wanted to export something from Gaul, well, you went there and you you dropped off your goods, you put them on a ship, and you sent them off somewhere in the world, and if you wanted to import something. Well, it got as far as Lugdunum, and then it went out to the rest of Europe. So, so it was a very important city, uh, and it attracted people from all around the world. People who were bringing those goods there, people who were who were uh, you know s- scheduling the shipping and that sort of thing. Everybody uh, ended up in Lugdunum at some point, and some people stayed, and some of those people were Christian, and they really settled the first. 
Christian church there. Um, uh, it seems that the earliest Christians in Lugdunum were from Smyrna. Uh, in, uh, in in what is today Turkey, uh, Izmir in today's Turkey, and far away Asia Minor back then. And, uh, and those people really did establish a strong presence there, a strong church. And we begin to know about important figures in the church's history who began in Smyrna but ended up in Lugdunum. So, in Lugdunum, as it were... Uh, we've got these people coming from from all over the place. You know, there's. I mean, well, let's, let's talk about Irenaeus uh, because Irenaeus yeah, yeah. is is he's very early on in the life of the church, uh, which means, uh, I mean, this is a guy who's got connections pretty quickly back to the apostles themselves. So obviously, uh, you know, before the spread of Christianity goes to all these other places, it's there. Yeah, so so the er, the earliest um, Christians we know about in Lugdunum are Irenaeus, who wasn't from that area at all, and Potinus, who also was not from that area at all. Uh, Potinus was was uh, was named as a bishop for Lugdunum by Polycarp, who was in in distant Smyrna. All right, uh, Polycarp was a disciple of Saint John the Apostle, so there. Uh, right there at the beginning of the church in Lugdunum, you see... Boom, from Smyrna to Lugdunum. One right, move. Right. Two disciples of one of the disciples of the apostles. So so it's a, it's, it's a rich beginning. And what's, what's really cool is we don't know about these earliest beginnings for most of the other churches that were in the Mediterranean area. We, we don't know. We, we, what, what usually happens is we suddenly become aware of the church in the historical record about 170, 180, 190 AD, because that's when Christianity reached a critical mass in many of these places that were distant from Jerusalem or Rome, right? Uh, you, you have, um, you have this, this colony forming there that seems to have been dominated by Christian influence from Smyrna, and it was it was an important influence because because uh, because it's an influence with an apostolic pedigree. Well, Pothinus uh, ends up dying as a martyr uh, during one of the uh, one of the the uh, the, the local uh, <laughs> what do you call them? They they were pogroms, really. The local pogrom that began as a riot and then ended up being an official persecution. So he ends up dying then, um, and he's succeeded by Irenaeus, and Irenaeus becomes one of the most important writers in early Christianity. You know, his his great book, uh, which is um, uh, Against the Heresies, still survives today, and it's an important book in the history of theology. It's it's a book that, that you need to know if you're going to do theology, because it gives you uh, the, the first articulation of so many things that are important to us about the sources of authority in the church and the the, the, the kind of the rules for interpretation of scripture so Irenaeus becomes a very important figure not only for the local church in Lugdunum but for the church at large the church throughout the world and the church throughout history yeah it's fascinating and uh, it's fascinating for a number of reasons but one of them is that you know the Diocese of Pittsburgh is a fairly old diocese in the United States of America. Yeah. But in terms of the Diocese of Lyon, right? I mean, that's it's one of the oldest dioceses in like the history. I mean, this is like a 18, 1700 year old 
diocese, right? Bishops yeah, go France back should that be far. Ma- yes, France should be making much more of its uh, of its uh, patristic pedigree because there there were great centers of monasticism in France, uh, and the the monastic movement in the West really started to take shape there. Uh, in, in France as well. So so the, it, it played an important part in the early history of the Church. Well, there is so much more to be said about the history of the Church in France and uh, how it moved forward. There are a lot of doctors of the Church from France, uh, by the way. There are, and martyrs, too. And, and, many and I would martyrs. say with Lugdunum, there there were the uh, the martyrs of, uh, we call them today, the martyrs of Vienne and Lyon. Uh, but they... Um, they're important to the to the story because there uh, we have one of the earliest accounts of martyrdom uh, in in the church, and it was an eyewitness account. and uh, and And the star of of the of the event, really, of the public executions, is a a, a, a lower a girl from the lower classes named Blandina, right? And Blandina acts with such courage over days of public torture and humiliation. Finally, she dies, but she makes such an impression, not only on her fellow Christians, but on those who were persecuting her. It makes a great difference in the history of the church in Lyon, in, in Lugdunum, and, uh, and, and in the church in general. It is fascinating to me how women martyrs have extraordinary impacts in so many parts of the world in the yeah. early church and really launch uh, the popular, it, I often, yeah, the popular uh, renewal of Christianity or the popular spread of Christianity. Yeah, the blood of the martyrs is seed, as Tertullian said later. <laughs> but, uh, but, but early on, you know, he had these, these images of martyrs like Blandina in his head. And, uh, and especially the women martyrs are significant because in the pagan epics from antiquity, what we find are heroes who are men and who are warriors and who demonstrate their strength by pulling out the intestines of their of their uh, their opponents with the tip of their sword you know if you read the uh, the iliad if you read the odyssey if you read the aeneid this is what you find there there are no female history the female heroes in these in these purported histories. What we find with Christianity, however, is something very different. And the heroes of many of the early Christian epics, so to speak, are women. Sometimes young women, weak women, old women. All of these people who weren't supposed to be showing up in the, the pages of the histories weren't of the Weren't even heroes. people by Roman standards, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes, at least not adults. You know, they exactly. were. They, they sometimes had the rights of children, but that's about it. Well, Mike Aquilina, we appreciate you as always for helping us unpack Catholic history. We got headlines coming up next. It's 17 past. For over 500 years, the church honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at combonimissionaries.org. 
That is Kombonimissionaries.org. Did you give up coffee or caffeine for Lent? Be sure to check out the tea and decaf offerings from the Mystic Monks of Wyoming. Find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. When you make a purchase after clicking our link, we earn a commission to help support the show. The monks also have their seasonal favorite Pasca Java available for you to buy now in anticipation of your Easter Sunday feast. And why not add a Sunrise Morning Show mug to include in the Easter basket? Find those mugs and a Mystic Monk Coffee link at sonrisemorningshow.com. Catechism in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is now available right here on Catholic Radio. Encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith, as we journey together toward our heavenly home. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has expressed his grief over a terrorist attack on a Catholic mass in Burkina Faso on Sunday that left 15 people dead. President Biden has said he's hopeful there will be a ceasefire in Gaza by next week. And the organizers of the National Eucharistic Revival have announced the schedule of stops for the four walking pilgrimage routes to Indianapolis for the Eucharistic Congress this summer. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. If any of you are going to be on those pilgrimage routes, I want to know about it. Hit us with a note and uh, let us know that uh, that you're going to be on those journeys or if your parish is hosting pilgrims through part of that. Uh, it'd be fun to uh, to see some pictures and and here's some feedback, so you can send that to sunrisemorningshow.com through the contact. Hit us with a note on Facebook or in the YouTube comments or wherever it happens to be. But it's all through sunrisemorningshow.com. I want pictures, Anna Mitchell. I, I want, want pictures, too. Actually, Absolutely. I would like to go. I wish we had the equipment to just do know, right? the pilgrimage, but we can't. So you got to do it for us. If hearing the truth is important to you, then be listening on March 13th, 14th, and 15th when you and all listeners are invited to become a member and protector of this radio ministry when we raise $120,000 during Sacred Heart Radio's Lenten Membership Drive. Yes, to share in God's work of media evangelization is simple. Make a sound investment during our Lenten Membership Drive. Or you can donate now at sacredheartradio.com. And thank you. I'm Guy. I'm Mara. And I'm Patrick. And we're the Cagney family with Coldwell Banker Realty. We support Sacred Heart Radio. And we help buyers and sellers trying to find their dream homes in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Florida. 513-347-1888 to talk to the Cagney family. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Water damage in your home or business? Plumbing and flooding problems not repaired and restored can quickly get worse over time. 
Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help. Rainbow International, 513-271-1000. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith, with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Great to catch up with Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. You can find them linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Check out their Lenten resources because they got tons of them. And uh, we've been going through the spirituality of St. Vincent Pallotti, who founded Father Frank's order. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I got to say, when I saw the quote from St. Vincent that you wanted to discuss today, I sort of cringed a little. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how ready I am to pray this kind of prayer in my own life. I wonder if you could share that with us. Yes, it's, it, my God, destroy me completely, do everything in me. My God, absorb me, destroy me, reform me, be all in me, now and forever. It's important to understand that, uh, Matt, that St. Vincent was a mystic as well as an apostle kind of a, a rare mix, and this kind of selflessness, uh, this, this total abandonment in God is really the voice of a mystic, somebody who has an intimate, intimate relationship with God. Yeah, yeah. well, and that's, that's, I think, what helps distinguish this from, you know, maybe other worldviews that might not have uh, you know, kind of a fuller sacramental understanding. You know, I dabbled in a little bit of Buddhism on my way out of evangelicalism and toward Catholicism, and that idea of being destroyed and absorbed, that's kind of where it ended, right? It didn't have yes, this whole exactly. like, reform no, no, and remake me type of thing going on with it to complete the picture. Yes, and, that, that ref- and, and what's important is exactly that. Reform me. Be all in me. And, and for Lent, this is a, a perfect thing for us to, to look at, because where do we need to be reformed? Where do we need to look beyond self? And, and that's really what Pilate is doing. You know, he would sometimes speak of himself as nothingness and sin. But that's a selfless attitude, you know, tr- looking and recognizing that it's not about me, myself, and I, and in a very individualistic society, it it often is. See me, see what I do, see how I do it, all these things. And that's not what we're called to in the Christian life. And we need to reform that. But that's not something we can do on our own. Yeah, that reform, you know, even just breaking down the parts of that word, we often think about reform as in like fixed corrections, but we don't often think about reform in the way that it's talked about, like, in the Old Testament with the potter and the clay, <laughs> right? Yes. That uh, yes. takes a pot that is, you know, misshapen and like remolds it. Or, I mean, an easier example probably in the modern era, since not as many people own pottery wheels, but a lot of people own Legos, is to take the <laughs> Lego creation, break it down into its component pieces and build it back up into something new and exciting. Yeah, it, it gets destroyed. You know, that... And and now and now it's re it's rebuilt, and who who does that? God does that. We do it together with God. We're graced to be able. But but if we're if we're caught up in 
in behaviors and ways that are, are selfish, are sinful, then how is that going to happen? Because we're so self-focused. Rather than cooperating with the grace that we're offered by God, by Christ, to be able to, to move and be more. And that, that requires that sometimes right down to the, the full depths of who we are, because, of course, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And that destroying really is, I want you to know who you really are in me. Not who you think you are, but who you really are. Who I'm calling you to be. That's where, what we're being invited to by Jesus Christ. You know, I was talking okay. with a Benedictine recently, uh, just, just earlier about this question, and he was talking about how every Lent is a reminder about how bad he is at Lent, right? <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> you know, I think that's how a lot of us feel. Uh, but in some ways, we're supposed to feel like that a little bit. Like, we can't pray on our own. We can't no. fast on our own. We can't even give alms on our own. Uh, I mean, I think it's a reminder that, that we are weak. We are, you know, subject to a potter's hand, as it were. We're lumps of clay, and clay can't form itself. And we need to, to recognize that we need the grace of the sacraments as Catholics, the grace that's offered to us in the sacraments, sacrament, particularly the sacrament of, of penance and the sacrament uh, and the Eucharist, most especially, to be able to to do what it is that we're called, how we're called to be, to move beyond selfishness, to be in communion with God and with other people. And that that movement is not something we can do on our own. That's graced. That's a well, gift of, of God. But we need to cooperate. We have we have a choice here. Do we yeah, oh, do we choose to cooperate or don't we? Oh yeah, we I, I would just ask uh, freedom you know, to do that. We we do, and but some of us are not ready to you know surrender that freedom, right, or to use that freedom correctly. I'm just sure. going to read this quote one more time and, and ask you kind of one final question to wrap it up. Again, the quote from Saint Vincent Pilati: "My God, destroy me completely. Do everything in me. My God, absorb me. Destroy me. Reform me. Be all in me now and forever." What would you say to maybe a Catholic who's trying to do a lot of the right things and you know trying to? you know, be where they got to be and be a decent spouse and parent or child or all that, but is not ready to pray something on this level quite yet. To ask for the grace to surrender. You use the word surrender, and that's a great word. Surrender to God. And when we surrender to God, we have the opportunity to be truly free, truly happy, truly joyful. Everything else will fall short. Well, thanks so much, Father Frank Donio. Find a link to the Catholic Apostolate Center at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past, here's Anna with news. Good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pope Francis has expressed his grief over a terrorist attack on a Catholic mass in Burkina Faso on Sunday that left 15 people dead. Vatican News reports there was also an attack on Muslim worshipers the same day in their morning prayers, killing dozens of people. A telegram from the Vatican Secretary of State said 
The Pope was grieving over the tragedies. It said the Holy Father was praying for the deceased and entrusting them to God's mercy and for the healing of the injured. It said hatred is not the solution to conflicts, calling for the fight against violence in order to promote the values of peace. President Biden has said a ceasefire in Gaza could happen before next week. More from Mark Mayfield. Speaking to reporters Monday, he said that National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tells him that it is close, but not done yet. He added his hope is by next Monday there will be a ceasefire. Sullivan said on Sunday he was hopeful an agreement would take place in the next few days after representatives of Israel, the United States, Egypt and Qatar met in Paris recently. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Supreme Court appears to be divided after hearing arguments in a case involving how social media companies handle online content. The court heard arguments on whether states have the right to provide dictates to social media companies. The companies say that the laws limiting how they operate violate their First Amendment right to free speech. They compare themselves to newspapers who can't be told which information to publish. But supporters of the new laws compare the companies to telephone operators since they are transmitting content created by others and not themselves. It's presidential primary day in Michigan, where more than a million voters have already cast their ballots early. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson says most of those were cast absentee, but more than 78,000 early in-person votes were also cast during the nine days that early voting was open. She says a turnout pre-election day was 13 percent higher than 2020, despite the nominations not being much in doubt in either party. In 2020, nearly 2.4 million votes were cast in the presidential primary. As the church continues in this year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee year, the Dicastery for Communications has launched a new site as a Jubilee guide to the papal basilicas in Rome. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. From tourist to pilgrim seeks to introduce the basilicas of St. Peter, St. John Lateran, St. Paul outside the walls, and St. Mary Major to younger audiences through content geared to their tastes. According to a press release, the website leans heavily on the medium of voice to convey the beauty and history of these sacred spaces and the artistic masterpieces that fill them. Professionals engaged in art curation and excavation and restoration projects, along with the religious men and women who minister to pilgrims every day, tell the stories of the papal basilicas in their own words. Through the warmth and enthusiasm of their voices, reads the communique, they act as witnesses and share their love for everything the four papal basilicas represent. The mini-side draws on the symbol of the table, populated by the saints and artists whose lives and art have shaped the basilicas. The table offers a space where not only food, but glances, stories, and experiences are shared, thus inviting the visitor to pause for a moment and dedicate some time to a brief moment of reflection. The initiative From Tourist to Pilgrim also takes the form of a podcast that accompanies pilgrims along their journey, whether in person or online, through the history of the basilicas, offering special insights into their most significant aspects. The podcast series launches on February 27th with a new episode released each Tuesday. What may only seem like a city square to a tourist becomes a step, a journey, a divine symbol if viewed through the eyes of a pilgrim, reads the communique. These brief visits are designed to highlight the hidden beauty of Rome, revealed through the lens of pilgrimage. 
I'm Devin Watkins. Meanwhile, organizers here in the United States of the National Eucharistic Revival have announced the schedule of stops for the four walking pilgrimage sites from northeast, south, and west that will all culminate in Indianapolis for the National Eucharistic Congress in July. It'll cover 6,500 miles across 27 states and 65 dioceses. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Gregory of Narek, Tuesday, February the 27th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be stormy, but still warm for now. Right now, temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, scattered storms and mostly cloudy for the majority of the day. A high today of 69 degrees. Storms likely tonight could be severe with an overnight low of 56. Early storms ending tomorrow, then it'll be mostly cloudy with sharply falling temperatures. By 4 o'clock tomorrow, we'll be in the mid-30s. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, scattered showers and storms today and high around 67. Storms tonight with an overnight low of 58. Morning showers and storms tomorrow and falling temperatures to the lower 40s. This is Sacred Heart Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray, and he is online at catholicconvert.com. And we've been talking about uh, various categories of thing in the Bible. And today we get to talk about martyrs, and there's uh, a lot in the Bible about martyrs. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Yeah, there's a lot about martyrs. You know, it's, it's uh, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And people don't realize what that means, but in uh, Jerusalem, people saw people with carrying crosses and agonizingly screaming with vultures picking the flesh off their bones on crosses outside of every city gate of major cities of Rome, the Roman Empire. So for Jesus to say, take up your cross and follow me, that's a pretty audacious thing to say to people you want to follow you. But uh, that's what it is. It's uh, the world hated Jesus and it's going to hate us. And that results in martyrs, and so that's what we'll talk about today. Well, the first martyr in the scriptures that we see in the New Testament uh, after the ascension of Jesus is St. Stephen. Of course, you've got a special connection with him because of your name. But what are some things to know about St. Stephen, whose story is, is really one of the most powerful stories in the early church? 
Yeah, I think people kind of gloss over him and, and talk about Peter and Paul all the time. But he's mentioned eight times in the book of Acts, always in the book of Acts. He was a Greek-speaking Jew. In other words, he was probably not from Jerusalem. He was from the diaspora somewhere else, but a Jew, and then came back after Pentecost and stayed there. That's probably what happened. He spoke uh Hebrew and Greek. He was one of the first seven deacons. He was a powerful speaker and did miracles in the name of God. It says he was full of grace and power, doing great signs and wonders. So he's the, one of the first deacons. He's the, the first martyr of the New Testament. And he's also known for the longest New Testament sermon or a talk that he gave outside of the Sermon on the Mount. And in that talk, just for the to continue here, he opened the door kind of for the Jews to understand that God was going to work among the Gentiles also. Up until then, God had, among the Jews, it was seen as only a Jewish thing. But Stephen in his talk says God works outside of Jerusalem. And this is for the whole world, the Gentiles too. And that really, he opened the door for that whole understanding. Well, standing there when that door was getting opened was another guy at St. Paul who consented to his stoning and would end up being the apostle to the Gentiles, right? Which is so fascinating yes. uh, when you and see how it all played martyred. out. Yeah, Paul yeah. also martyred. And he would also be martyred. So, yeah, it, it was, and you know, uh, Augustine, St. Augustine said, and one time I was at the church where St. Paul's bones are in Rome, and there's a chapel there to St. Stephen, and I said to my wife, I wonder why they have a St. Stephen's chapel here, and then it dawned on me, I remember, St. Augustine said, if it were not for the prayers of St. Stephen, we would not have St. Paul, because Saul of Tarsus was there holding the cloaks, giving his approval, he was a part of the whole assassination of Stephen, Stephen prayed for them, and because of that, God brought us St. Paul to be one of the great teachers and martyrs, too. Yeah, there's a church in Virginia that's got stained glass windows and it's got people in pairs uh, of, you know, in, the, in each of these windows. So, like, you've got Francis and Claire in a window together. You've got, like, James and John in a window together. And then over in one of the windows, you've got Paul and Stephen in a window together. It's uh, a, one of the few examples I can think of where you've got a... Uh, a, a person who was murdered standing next to someone who was an accomplice to their murder in the same window. I mean, it's, it just shows That's, you grace is powerful and can and yeah. nobody's nobody's beyond hell. But Stephen is not yeah. well. Not only is he not only the only martyr in the New Testament, he's not the only martyr in the Bible by a long shot. Who are some of the others that we know about in the Old Testament? Well, the Old Testament is full of martyrs. In fact, Jesus says the Old Testament's full of martyrs. He's criticizing the Jews, and he said in Luke, the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. So the blood of Abel to Zechariah. And so we in English say, aha, that's pretty clever, A to Z. Jesus says that you shed the blood all the way from the book of Genesis to the end of the Bible, A to Z. And we think that's dealing with the alphabet. But in Greek, it's Alpha Omega, the last letters Omega. But what it really, Jesus is clever, and he uses the first and last, but it's not the alphabet. It's the first book of the Old Testament in Hebrew, in the Jewish book, it's Genesis. Abel was killed in Genesis. Zechariah is killed in the book of Second Chronicles, which is the last book 
of the Hebrew Bible. So Jesus is saying right from the beginning of the Bible with Abel all the way to the end of the Old Testament Bible, the whole span of history, you've killed every prophet I've sent to you. So he says that this is the first and the last book of Tanakh. You've killed all these people. And it says in Second Chronicles, the last one, and Spirit of God closed Zechariah and he said, because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. And they conspired against Zechariah because he said that and they stoned him with stones at the court of the whole Holy House of God. Yeah, so these uh, the Old Testament's full of them. There certainly are, are 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 tons of them, and I think that you know people might forget that that Abel's a martyr, uh, right? Because what does it mean? I mean, right. when we when someone gets recognized as a martyr by the church today, they say they were killed in odium fidei, right, in hatred of the faith. And what was Cain's motivation, right, for killing his brother? Uh, it's because he was envious, he was jealous of his brother's faith. So, I mean, that fits right. the bill pretty well yeah. there. It does, and he considers himself uh, to be a martyr, the church does. So another one that's very interesting, and it's Isaiah the prophet. And we read in Hebrews, it says, Others suffered mocking and flogging. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. So this is the book of Hebrews writing about the Old Testament saints who suffered these deaths for God. But it says one was sawn in two. And we know from early Christian tradition that Isaiah was that one. And so it's not said specifically in Hebrews, but when you go back and read some of the ancient documents, the early Christians understood that Isaiah was sawn in two, and that's how he died. Yeah, and uh, there'd be others. There's the tradition that Simon the Apostle was sawn in two as well. And, uh, you know, I, I love how that that passage ends in Hebrews 11, where it says, after they were sawn in two, killed with the sword. It says, the world was not worthy of them. And every time yes, I see right. a story uh, coming out about our brothers and sisters in Nicaragua or Nigeria or in China or recently in Burkina Faso, and I hear about their suffering and I hear about the the testimony, all I can think of is the world is not worthy of them. <laughs> they are, yeah, exactly. They are better than the world deserves. Yeah. Well, like Jesus said, the world hated me, and it's going to hate you as well, so don't be surprised. And the audacious thing, you have to take up your cross and follow me, or you're not worthy of me. So he calls us to being martyrs or witnesses. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus is going up into heaven, the ascension, whenever I have my groups there on the Mount of Olives and we're looking up in the sky, I say, Jesus said to them, "You here, you will be my witnesses. And guess what the Greek word is? Martus. You will be my martus, which is where we get the English word martyr. And the catechism says some of us will be witnesses with our lips and some of us will be witnesses with our blood. Yeah, well, either way, we got to be witnesses, right? Um, Absolutely. This is, this and is if we're uh, not, part of what it means to be, be baptized. Yeah. It doesn't. If we're not being witnesses and putting ourselves at risk, so to speak, then we're not worthy of the Lord. Yeah. And well, there's uh, much to be said as well, even about the role that the martyrs play in the book of Revelation, right? Crying out for justice yeah. and wondering when Christ will return. I mean, there's, and that's just the Bible, right? Once you get into the yeah. testimony of the early church and through up to the present day, I mean, there's more martyrs being made now than in any era of human history. So true. let's pray Very for their true. courage. Pray for those who suffer under persecution as well. Steve Ray, we've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com, where people can also find your Footprints of God uh, DVD on uh, St. Paul, where you go through some of the story of Stephen. Uh, thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. See you next week.
All right, 14 till. Chris McGregor joins us next. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Pentecost Today podcast is about bringing people closer to God through the work of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, fueling the fire of renewal. You can hear the Pentecost Today podcast as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates around the world, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com slash radio and click Podcast Central today. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Keep it tuned always to EWTN Radio on a daily basis. Great idea to just stay tuned into Catholic Media on a daily basis, especially during Lent. Media habits, so important for what we're thinking about throughout the day. So keep it tuned today, later today at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for Open Line on EWTN Radio Tuesdays, always hosted by Father of Mercy, Father Wade Menezes, who takes your calls on faith, family, and fellowship. That's 3 p.m. Eastern today for Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor. She's online at discerninghearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Nana. How are you today? I am doing fine and excited to get to talk to you about our selection this week from the Office of Readings for the February 27th Memorial of St. Gregory of Narek. He's one of the more recently declared doctors of the church by Pope Francis. Yes, he is. He was... uh, elevated as a doctor of the church on Divine Mercy Sunday in 2015. Oh, really? And for a really wonderful reason, St. Gregory of Narek, who many people may not know, and if you have one of the older editions of the Office of Readings, the Liturgy of the Hours, you may not have this particular passage in it, um, but it has been added by the church. And just a remarkable man. Well, tell us what... 
I mean, what's there's so much that you can say about Gregory of Narek, and we did talk about him last hour with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Um, so, so many of our listeners um, have at least a sense of his life. But what stands out to you in his life, Chris? I just think that this particular work, the Book of Lamentation, mm-hmm. is such a significant gift to the church. Uh, because as Dr. Bunsen, I'm sure, enlightened everybody about, after that great genocide that occurred, the Armenian genocide uh, between 1915 and 1923, it uh, was such a catastrophic, catastrophic event that for the church to to elevate him and this particular work of mercy. Sometimes it's called the book of mercy Mm. because it does show about the sadness of the soul when it realizes its sinfulness, but also it emphasizes the great mercy of God who rushes in. The abyss of our misery meets the abyss of his mercy. Mm. And it is has been spoken of as a book, one of the great three uh, right up there with the first being the Confessions of St. Augustine and the second being the Imitation of Christ, many would say that the Book of Lamentation by Gregory of Narek is number three. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Not. That's but when you go back incredible. and read it, yeah, it's a it's a work of uh, immense, beautiful poetry, mm-hmm. uh, but also it it is a cry from the heart, and it's a book of prayer. It's well, just lovely. Well, many might say the book of lamentation didn't Jeremiah write that? But you know, when you when you think about it, and what you were just saying, I mean, particularly in light of the Armenian genocide, and of course, Armenian Christians are not in a a great state even today. Um, much going on in in the Armenian region right now. Um, this idea of lamentation and why Jeremiah had the book of lamentations in the Bible and what the Armenians have suffered, very much similar. But always when we are in the midst of suffering, we need to remember whether the suffering is, is deserved or not on... Um, you know, like a, I don't know, socio-political level. Um, Our sins deserve, deserve punishment. And yet we reach out to God who is so great in mercy. Yeah, I think, you know, as Dr. Bunsen would, I'm sure he he mentioned that to be a doctor of the church, it, it is elevated at a time when we, the church, really need this this particular great charism of a saint mm-hmm. and this gift. And so that's, you know, looking at what happened not only to the Armenian people, but what's happening to Christians throughout the world. Yes. Sometimes, and I and I don't mean to, uh, I, and I say this in all reverence, in the United States, we sometimes don't have a sense of the persecution that Christians and Catholics in particular are experiencing today. Yep. Uh, genocides and things like that. So, in this book of lamentations, it's a real, as you pointed out, it's a real recognition of our human limitations. It's it, the text highlights the the uh, our limitations as human beings to achieve salvation. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we can do, but it's it underscores the necessity of God's intervention and His grace and His desire to raise to us. I glorify the name of the Lord and I praise his grace, which is directed to all people. 
In my words, I proclaim all those who have, by a good life, risen to great honor through the healing power of your great mercy. I mean, what a lesson for us all, Chris, as as we are in this season of Lent, of course, in which, you know, we we should be remembering our sins, expressing sorrow for our sins, confessing our sins, and and to reach this point, risen to great honor, right, through the healing power of his great mercy. It is always his mercy that raises us up. It is. You want to cry out, you know, glorify the name of the Lord, as Gregory says, and I praise his grace, which is directed to all people. In my words, I proclaim all those who have, by a good life, risen to great honor through the healing power of your great mercy. You want to, you want to run out and say, it is, yes, realize that, it, that we have sin. We, we grab onto things that, uh, we are, are false consolations, those kinds of things, because we're fearful, but don't, don't um, hold on to that. Free yourself. God's great glory and his love for your life is so important. Um, and it, don't miss it. Yeah. You know, it really strikes me as the very last line here, Chris. He says, for the only thing that truly pleases you is the salvation of man, O oh, forever blessed. I mean, how often do we get caught up in sort of, I, I mean... In a sense, a, a Pelagian sort of attitude um, that that this or that good work is going to please God, and it does please God. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to diminish that, but but over and above that is our salvation with the Lord. That's right. Ultimately, this whole passage underscores that that uh, God finds pleasure. And not in our suffering, our inadequacy, but in the salvation and redemption in which he sent his son and suffered, died on the cross. He's, he's, he's so happy when we turn to him. This yeah. is what, this was the mission of Christ. His mercy is great. His mercy mm-hmm. is Amen. great. We've been talking to Chris McGregor and you can find her apostolate. I call it the pod postulate because there's a lot of <laughs> podcasts over there at discerninghearts.com, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, as always, thank you so much. You're very welcome, Anna. I have a great day. You do the same. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Anna Mitchell. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.